Terry Fletcher, and this is your spiritual game plan. Change. It's something that happens to all of us. You've invested your time and energy into an important role, sometimes for years, and then suddenly it's time for you to move on. Maybe you've worked hard on a dream, and now your path is taking a new turn, but that dream isn't going with you. Perhaps you've raised your kids and they've moved on, but now your emptiness is filled with parent care. Or maybe you're in the middle of diaper changes and occupies. If you find yourself asking questions like, where do I fit in anymore? Am I even relevant? How do I find my purpose now? This is the show for women in a season of transition. I believe that while your roles in life will change, your purpose is eternal. I'm here to help you understand just how intentionally you were made by a creator with a game plan. Together, we'll discover ways to help you unlock the purpose God's placed in you, develop a game plan for your life's calling, and embrace the intentional masterpiece you were created to be. Hi friends, I'm so glad you're with me. I have a question. Do you guys have a stubborn streak? I've been told that my stubborn streak, or what I refer to as my why, that makes no sense, personality, was evident since birth. I think it's safe to say that there is a part of the terrible twos in all of us. We just do a better job of controlling it most of the time. But who really likes to be told that we have to obey or do I dare say submit to another human? That word submit has been a topic of contention in several women's groups that I have been a part of all the way back to when I was in a group called Mothers of Preschoolers, otherwise known as MOPs, decades ago. I remember one time when a young mom got so upset about this Bible verse that we will share today that we were studying it and even talking about it, she left the group. She was flabbergasted that in the day and age that we were in, that we would even think that that verse, which is found in Ephesians, was still what the Lord had in mind for marriages. To this day, I have always wondered what example of a heavenly father did she have and what did submitting look like to her in her marriage? Now, I will agree, that is a trigger verse. And when it is left to itself and when it is not studied and understood, I can understand why it can trigger a lot of different emotions. What God planned for our fulfillment in a marriage relationship, the enemy's plot has been to destroy that rich aspect that has been taken in that verse and have it heard from a perspective of dominance. Let me read this verse to you. It is found in Ephesians 5, verses 21 and 22, and I'm going to be using the Christian Standard Bible. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Now, I have to admit, if I was new to Bible study, or if I had grown up in a domineering home and had experienced any form of abuse, 
This verse would have me closing my Bible, crossing my arms, and stomping away. Because no one's going to tell me to submit. And I already have a head, and I don't need anyone telling me that my husband is going to be telling me what to do. After my experience with the mother in my MOPS group, I wanted to understand this for myself because I will admit I too had a hard time understanding that perspective and I did not have a domineering view of God or of my husband. I first had to ask myself two questions. Sherry, do you know and believe that the Bible is the word of God? And do you know and believe that God loves you so much and he wants the absolute best for you? Answering yes to both of those, I kept that in mind as I dug into the game plan that God had for my marriage and what that would look like to be submissive. How my husband was to deserve that submission and why Satan kept twisting that truth and targeting marriages. So today I'm going to sit down and I'm going to be talking with Reverend Keith Haney as we discuss this verse and God's desire for us to experience agape love in its fullest. I am so excited for two reasons. One, I know you're going to love this talk with the Reverend, but also because he is my first male guest. And I must say he must be pretty brave to jump into this topic with me. Reverend Keith Haney is the assistant to the president for missions, human care, and stewardship in the Iowa district. He has been an ordained pastor for 27 years and has served in multi-ethnic urban congregations in Detroit, St. Louis, and Milwaukee. He is the author of numerous devotionals, including One Nation Under God, Healing Racial Divides in America. So I know you'll enjoy this time with Reverend Keith Okay. Pastor Keith, I am so excited um, to have you on my show this time. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm enjoying the heat. <laughs> it's, yes. it's a little warm here, but good. Well, you and I were talking a little bit about the heat before we went on here, and I'm new to the South, so um, you told me I'm going to get a lot hotter. It's going to get a lot hotter, yeah. Okay, well, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you are the first gentleman I have had on the show. Wow, that's cool. This is and a groundbreaking moment. It is a groundbreaking moment. And you're a very brave man because you're coming on with this topic for today. Yeah, it was a it was a brave topic to talk about during marriage counseling too. So <laughs> Yes, I'm sure you have lots of stories for that topic in your I marriage do, counseling. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> well, before we get started, um, I would love if you would just tell us a little bit about a little bit about you and your family and the podcast that you have. Sure. So I've been married for 30 years. We'll be 31 in December, uh, to a beautiful woman, Miriam. Uh, we have six kids God's blessed us with, uh, four boys, two girls, and two grandbabies, one of each, so a boy and a girl. So it's been a, a real joy to parent all of those and are at different ages from ages 27 and 9. So we have every level of dysfunction in our household. <laughs> every level of dysfunction. One of your kids is named Todd, right? Yeah, so that's my second oldest who's in the Army, who has our two grandkids held hostage in Texas. Wow, my husband's name is Todd, so that's an awesome name. Oh, it's name. cool. Yes. Small world. Yes, it is. So we are going to be um, talking about 
a hot topic today, Ephesians 5. And we have lots to talk about on that. Um, but right be before we get started again on that topic, I have one question I like to ask every guest. And that is looking back in your life, how far back can you see the very purpose that you are living out today in who you have always been? You know, that's an interesting question because there's two pieces to that puzzle. Uh, the first piece was around high school, I realized that God wanted me to be a pastor. Um, but in our church body, the way it works is you can't go from high school into the seminary. You have to go get a degree first. So I went off and got my bachelor's degree in computer science and kind of lost that passion to be a pastor and was going to go be a computer analyst. And God used a friend of mine, a relative, to say, hey, here's a free ticket to go to St. Louis and look at the seminary. And so I all of a sudden got back on track and said, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be. But the second piece of that is I grew up in the South when I was really young and I went to an all white school. And so doing that helped me to for this next and current phase of my life, which is I've been doing a lot of on my podcast about racial reconciliation. And because I grew up in a white community, but lived in a black community, I learned how to translate between black and white. So my podcast is designed to really keep the conversation going, to help people explain what's really happening in the world right now in terms of race. So that purpose of why did I go to a white school and then to a black school and then to a black college and then to a white seminary <laughs> was all this thing of God saying, you need to be in all these different aspects of life because you're going to be able to help lead through this very difficult trying time in our history. So. Yeah. And that podcast will have um, the link to it. It is so good. And you're just so inspirational. And so that's why I wanted to bring you on here because I loved our talk when we uh, got done recording the podcast episode when I was on your podcast. We went right into this topic and I knew that I needed you to come on here and bless my listeners with your knowledge. So it's Ephesians 5 verses 22 and 23. Are you ready? I think so. We'll dive in and see what happens. There you go. It's. I'm going to read it. Says, okay. wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. And so, um, the beginning of this year, I led a Bible study on Ephesians with a group of friends. And when this topic came up, it was a pretty hot topic um, and lots of different angles. It was kind of interesting to see all the misunderstandings that this Bible verse had. And um, in my ministry, I have a message about understanding that our purpose in life is what we bring into each role that God has placed us in. So the roles that we have in marriage and the purpose that we bring to that role is so important. But when we as women in today's world, world hear that word submit and then the head of the wife, it's not always received well. So give us an understanding. Um, how do we understand our roles in marriage? And why do we have roles in marriage? That's a great question. I think if you think about our life in general, we all have roles. Um, at work, I have this role of mission executive. Um, at home, I'm head of the household. If I go in another setting, I may be someone else in that particular role. Um, I'm father or a husband or baseball coach or assistant coach. So we all have roles that we play in life. And so Paul was trying to help 
us understand that each of us has a particular place. That doesn't mean that we're always stuck in those roles, but while we're in that particular setting, we all have a role to play and it's for the common good. So we have these roles because it helps support the one body of Christ. And for us, especially husbands and wives, it's that body of husband and wife together that we are in tandem. But if you ever try to drive a car with two people with two steering wheels, <laughs> you can see how that doesn't work. Someone has to be on the, on the passenger side. And so Paul was just trying to say, in some settings, this is the way we are, but we still a tandem when we do this together. So we just kind of had those roles to help define the importance that each of us serve in that role. Kind of going back to Paul talking about the body of Christ. Um, we can't all be an eye. We can't all be, you know, if Paul says we can't all be an ear, what would the sense of smell be? So he reminds us that for the body to function properly, we all have to do our particular part and do that part well to the body, to the glory of God. What were some of the um, roles as far as in that time, like in the ancient ancient world, um, what were some of the household codes back then when this when this was spoken like this? So you, you have to, yeah, it's really important because to go back in time, you have to realize the role that women played, even children played in Paul's day. And I, and I tell this when I, when I preach on this, and, and women are shocked, and it's really kind of a funny part in the sermon, but do, do you realize that women were not allowed to speak in public during those times? And so they were literally considered a second-class citizen. So when Paul says to the husband, love your wives as Christ loves the church, he was actually elevating women up to the role to be next to their partner, not submissive to their partner. And so he was actually lifting up women by saying, you are a vital part of this family, you're a vital part of your husband, and husbands recognize the value that your wives are. Um, so it was really kind of a way to say, you need to recognize that the gift that God's given you in this woman is someone to value and to look, think highly of. And so in our culture, we can't even begin to understand that women can't speak in public You're, you, unless a man tells you you can speak. I mean, we would just, women's lip would go crazy with that thought. But, but that was the world that Paul lived in. It's not too, I mean, we're lucky here in the United States because even back in 2010, I went on a mission trip to Fiji and um, there were seven churches that needed a message and we only had six um, men and me and they okay. were very um reluctant they did not want me to speak at all and finally when they realized it's either you let her speak or you, you don't have anyone speaking they agreed and um they drove us way out in the middle of somewhere in fiji and i was the first woman that ever spoke at a church but the women sat on one side and the men sat at the other and so it, it's still not that <laughs> we're just very um, blessed here in the United States that we have such freedom. And I think that's why when we look at the word submit from that mindset, we just can't wrap our heads around it. Yeah, um, to take it even deeper, um, women were considered possessions yes. to men back then. And that led to women being mistreated and even dominated. And so for Paul to go change the, the language of the value of women, it really was kind of an earth shattering uh, moment for women to think about a men and think about the fact that no, these are not your possession, but these are your equals. Um, so I, I say Paul is probably the first women liver. So, you know, <laughs> well, you and also taking time to stop and look at Ephesus, it wasn't a really nice place. No, and, you know, it was pretty bad. And the Jewish 
men. I mean, they even had a prayer that's like, God, thank you. I'm not a Gentile. Thank you. I'm not a slave. And then last, I'm not a woman. So it's like the Gentile slave and then woman. And thank you, God, that I'm not them. So women were just these possessions. Men did not marry for love. Men married just like, okay, I need a kid. Let's see. <laughs> I'll take her. And so they were so mistreated. And so submission would have been a natural mindset for the wife to understand that concept. But then what does God tell men immediately to do? Yeah. He says love as, as Christ loved the church. And I, and what's really neat. And I know most people don't have this translation of the Bible, but I love the, the voice translation because here's how the voice explains that section. He says, wives should, uh, it should be no different with your husband, submit to them as you do to the Lord for God has given husbands a sacred duty to lead as the anointed one of the church leads and serves as head. And then he says to husbands, husbands, you must love your wives so deeply, purely, and sacrificially that we can understand it only when compared to the, the love, the anointed one and his love for his bride, the church. So, I mean, if you add that to how you love your wife so passionately, so deeply, so sacrificially as Christ did his church, I mean, that really kind of really defines how much you can trust a person who says, you know, you can submit to your husband because you know you're, he's not going to ask you something that's outside of God's will for you. Yeah, I liked hearing that word sacrifice. And, and you think about it, we're asked to submit, but they're asked to sacrifice. Right. <laughs> and so I, I just kind of picked that up when you said that. I was like, oh, that's kind of, I like that one. And so what is this look like when we're living under the Lordship of Christ then in our marriages? So under the Lordship of Christ, we realize that each of us are living sacrificially for God and that the husband and wife, they're both on the same pathway toward being the person and the people that God has called them to be. And so living sacrificially in God's Lordship is that Christ is still head of the church and head of the family. The husband kind of stands in the gap in the family for being the place of Christ in that family. And honestly, I think I'd rather be the woman in that respect, because as head of the household, that means the responsibility of the family falls on the husband. It is your duty, your sacrificial duty, your sacred duty to care for this family, to love this woman as Christ has loved his church. And that means to put her needs above your own and to, to love her in a way that Christ would love his people. And to do that means that as a husband, you have to really put your all into marriage. You can't just check out. Uh, you can't just come in and give it your 30%. He's like, give it your full and give her your best. And so if you're living in that kind of a lordship, when it says to the wife, sacrifice to your husband, because you know your husband's going to do everything with your best interest in mind, it's a different picture of what that sacrifice and that lordship and that family looks like under that kind of a leadership. When you're doing your um, wedding, your marital counseling, what is the re first response to that verse? And then after you walk them through it, how does that change in their perspective then? Well, I start with the woman's part because <laughs> she's the one who's usually in the chair squirming the most. Uh, but when I get to the husband's part, I don't think the husbands often think about what God is asking of them as a husband. Mm -hmm. I'm like, they just think, oh, love, I can love her. I'm, I'm in love with her now. Like, no. Love in the agape sense, which the word for, is what the word was used in that particular section, is a self-sacrificing kind of love, which means 
you put her needs above your own desires, your own wants, your own goals, your own objectives in life, that you think about the other person first, like Christ did for every, every one of us, that's a different kind of love than we're used to. We think of love in the Philadelphia, Philadelphia side, which is brotherly love. Like, no, this is an intense, immense love that says nothing is more important besides God himself than this woman you've given me to, to love as my spouse. And so when I put it in that context, they both realize the seriousness of what this marriage vow is. It's not just a some game we're playing. We are committing ourselves wholly to each other and wholly to our walk with God. And so it's a, it puts everything into a different context when you do it that way. Yeah. You know, um, the name of my podcast is Your Spiritual Game Plan. And when it comes to marriage, I mean, you, you've got to have a very, very good game plan, spiritual game plan. And I think, um, you know, you're a basketball player, right? Right. <laughs> so we can go basketball here for a little bit. You got to have a really good defensive strategy because the enemy wants you to hear that word submit. And he wants you to hear it in the way that this world wants you to hear it, which means weak. Right. And, um, and uh, in the group that I was with, I told him I was going to have this meeting with you. And I said, okay, girls, I'm just going to say the word submit. And before we had our Bible study, like what came to mind? And they're like fear, um, anger, um, bitterness, you know, just like, but the main one, two or three of them said fear. And isn't that what the enemy wants? He wants to put fear in us. And then after the Bible study, they said, well, listen is one of them. Listen to your, you know, to your husband, humble yourself and be in line with your husband. And I just think we've got, you know, before we hear that word submit, we have to pray, God, open our hearts, open our minds to understand what it is you're saying. And as with all scripture, taking the whole book of Ephesians, because um, Paul says that there's a profound mystery, and that mystery was the union of Christ and the church as its bride. Like, is, and he refers back to what it says in Genesis 2.24, and it um, means from the beginning of creation, marriage was intended as a reflection to the world of this relationship God wants with his people. So a man loving his bride, like you mentioned, with that agape, selfless, sacrificial love, and a woman who responds by submitting, and we'll look at some other words for that minute, but by submitting to that leadership, it's not just um, for God's sake. In Ephesians 3.10, it says that this is being watched um, throughout. It says making known through, made known to the principalities and the powers in heavenly places. And so it's kind of like our marriage is kind of like a cosmic sermon. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? And then why would the enemy want to target marriages specifically because of that? He wants to target it because if Satan can destroy that union of husband and wife, the, the togetherness that they share, then he can, he can limit and weaken the strength that those two have together. Um, if you think about just life in general, life is hard. And to do life on your own is difficult. And it's a lot of struggle. Um, the beautiful thing about my wife and I is we have formed this wonderful union where 
my weaknesses are her strengths. And um, when we got married, I, she told me that she helped me to learn more about compassion. And I helped her to learn more about strength. And so we, we've kind of, we're almost almost this one person now where, where, the, where, where she doesn't have strength, I do. And where she doesn't have compassion, I do. And trying to raise a family together when you need that right word or the right voice or the right tone or the right balance, it's like there is this beautiful balance, this symbiotic connection between husband and wife that when it's good and right and proper, the world sees it and they they rejoice with you because they, even my kids talk about, you know, how much they appreciate our love for each other and how it, it's a model for them and hopefully a model for, for other people as well that when you have this kind of relationship, it's something special. You don't want to take advantage of it or lose track of it, but Satan doesn't want you to see that as a benefit. He wants you to look across the fence and go, you know, so-and-so has a much better life than I do. He has a better wife. He has a better situation. He drives a bigger car. And so that idea of coveting what someone else has and not appreciating what God has given you is kind of what Satan does too. He kind of wants not you to not appreciate the gift that God has given you. I love that. He wants us to not appreciate. That's so good. Um, and he uses God's own words. So yes. God says submit. <laughs> Um, and he takes what God meant and just makes, you know, one of the ladies I interviewed, Cindy Baltimore said, the enemy, the enemy tells you what is true, but he doesn't tell you the truth. Right. So, you know, he might, he might say, doesn't God tell you to submit? Yes, that's true. But he says it in a way that it's not the truth. Right. And that made me have such a clearer perspective, even on that topic of submission. We hate the word obedience too. So, <laughs> yes, we, don't like that word we talk about you know Christ requires obedience. We're like, well, I don't want to be obedient. I like say, well, all my fun. That's when we start thinking, and like, just like submission, those are things that are not fun because I don't have control. And it goes back to the first temptation in the garden: Who do you want to be? Do you want to be Adam and Eve, or do you want to be more like God? Every one of us wants to be more like God. And so, submission, obedience, are those words to us to say. We're not control of our own destiny. We're not our own God. And so those words are not God-like for us. Those words are, you are submissive to a higher being, and we don't like submissive to a higher being of any kind. So, well, Yeah, we, we come out fighting it at age two. No, mine. <laughs> That's right, mine. <laughs> well, Satan divides. And there's a great verse in Ecclesiastic that, that is you know, talks to why God created us together, but why does Satan make us want, why does he want us to be so vulnerable? And what is that verse in Ecclesiastes? So it's Ecclesiastes 4, 8 to 10, it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one help them up. If you think about what marriage is, we're constantly working together to lift each other up. And that's the picture that I always have a marriage is like, there are times when I just can't do it and I need to know I can come home and have that support. And the same for my wife. Um, she knows if she's having a bad day that I'm there to pick her up and together we can make the journey together. But making it alone or making it without that support, without that love alongside you, you find out just how lonely this world can be. Absolutely. And like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, there's areas that 
I rely on my husband. There's things he's doing out there right now and, and behind the scenes of this household. I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And he will say to me, I don't know how you do it. And I'm saying, I can do my job because I know you're doing your job. And that's what he says back. And that to me, what is what that whole submitting um, is. In fact, when we did our Bible study, we Googled, we looked up, you know, what does submission mean? And there was a list of synonyms that I really loved. It was support, helping, assist, and my favorite was cherish. Yeah, those are great. And so we took that Bible verse and we, we all picked the word we liked and then we rewrote it. And so it says, wives, cherish your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the protector of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And so cherishing each other's roles was, you know, in, in our human minds, different than submitting, <laughs> right. um, even though submitting in the way that it's supposed to be isn't bad. And so what challenges would you leave for us in our own marriages this week, something we could do this week that could change that mindset of submission? I guess you had a, you had a good point there. I would say, go to your spouse and tell them what you cherish about them. Mm. I don't think we often do that enough with our spouse because we get to the point where we get comfortable, we get relaxed, and we just forget about just stopping and thinking, what is it about my spouse that I truly cherish and appreciate? And just let them know. Um, text it to them, um, call them on the phone, leave them a message, leave them a love note to say, I just cherish this about you. Because it's so critical for us in these days to hear that, mm -hmm. to be reminded of that, because we lose sight of it ourselves too. Yeah, <laughs> made me think when you said that this morning, my husband was kind of going through his day with me of all the things he had to do. And I just stopped and I said, he was in the middle of it. I said, you know what? And he stopped and I said, thank you for doing all that. And he kind of looked at me like, what? I said, no, I know, thank see? you. Thank you for doing that. I, I just appreciate that. And he kind of was like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> so I like that text a note or I wonder if you, and you use the word cherish. That's awesome. Your spouse yeah. would be like, what, what happened? <laughs> yeah. What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> is this a setup? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That is so cool. So Thank you for spending the time with me this week and for sending that challenge out and, you know, giving us the spiritual game plan of having a defense ready. And I think the defense is cherishing and being ready yeah. to acknowledge that. And so thank you so much for taking the time and the bravery to not only be the first man to delve into this topic with me. It's a pleasure. I enjoyed meeting with you, talking with you. It's been a great, and this is a, such an important topic and such an important time for us to lift up family and husbands and wives because we are, it's critical in our time right now. It so is, especially as an example to, to compared to what our kids and the younger generation are having to watch out there. So yeah. we need to be that example. So thank you for being that. And thank you for what you do. I appreciate it. Thank you. I hope that you were blessed by my time with the Reverend. I love learning about the aspect of sacrifice that God has called us to in our marriage. Understanding that God loves us so much that He wants us to experience that agape love. Agape love meaning the reciprocal love between God and humans that is made palpable in one's unselfish love of others. 
Ways to connect with the Reverend and his podcast are in the show notes. Have you subscribed to this podcast? If not, please do so. That way you do not miss any up and coming episodes. And I value your feedback. When you leave a rating and a review, it helps to get the word out about the podcast. It also lets me know how I can continue to serve you. During today's episode, did a friend come to mind who you know would be blessed? If so, I would love it if you'd share a link with them. Listeners like you sharing links with others is how this podcast can reach more people. I'd love to hear from you. Ways to connect with me are in the show notes or simply at sherryfletcher.com. Thanks again for listening to Your Spiritual Game Plan, the podcast that shares God's plan and your purpose in it.